The University of Oregon has produced some of the best athletes in the world. Steve Prefontaine, Joaquin Cruz, Ashton Eaton, English Gardner, Lisa Martin, Raven Rogers. But before any of them, there was Otis Davis. And while at Oregon on a basketball scholarship, Davis would soon become one of the greatest athletes in the history of track and field. Otis Davis was born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in 1932. And similar to some of the other stories I've noted, this is the Deep South in the Jim Crow era of the United States. So Davis grew up dealing with segregation and racism firsthand. His parents unfortunately weren't around, so he ended up being raised by his grandmother and aunt from his mother's side. To get away from the daily struggles of segregation and hardship, Davis got involved in sports, mainly basketball and football because that was all that was available to him. He attended Druid High School in Tuscaloosa, an all-black school that, like many others in the South, lacked necessary basic resources compared to other white schools in the same city. Though the school lacked the resources, it was known for having strong, intelligent black teachers educating students from all social classes. So Druid High School was seen as a source of pride in the city's black community. While at Druid, Davis played for the basketball and football teams, which, like I noted, were the only sports that the school actually was able to offer for students at the time. After high school, though, he originally wanted to attend the University of Alabama, which was literally 15 minutes down the road from his house. But in the 1950s, the University of Alabama was still an all-white school and wouldn't even accept black students until a full decade later in the mid-1960s, so Davis had to look elsewhere to potentially go to school. But instead of going straight to college right after high school, Davis made the choice to join the Air Force in the 1950s, where he would eventually serve for four years, including some time in the midst of the Korean War. So he was discharged in the mid-1950s, and soon after, he still had that dream of earning his college degree. So like I noted, with few opportunities to do so in Alabama, he moved out to the West Coast, to California, and enrolled at Los Angeles Community College. While there, he played basketball for the school's team and was one of the most skilled players. So in addition to completing school, his other dream was also to play professional basketball one day. So while in California, one day Steve Belko, who was the basketball coach for the University of Oregon at the time, saw Davis playing and was impressed with both his skills and physical ability on the court. So Belko offered Davis a scholarship to attend Oregon, and that led him to move from Southern California all the way up to Eugene, Oregon, enrolling into school in 1957. Now, while playing basketball at Oregon, though Davis was extremely skilled, Coach Belko had a relatively conservative style of play for the team. And because of this, Davis kind of struggled to adapt and unfortunately ended up as a reserve on the team for most of the time. In his first year, the 1957-58 season, Davis played in 15 games, averaging only 1.2 points per game, so really not seeing the success on the court that he would have liked to have. But one day, Davis and a friend were in their dorm room and looking out the window to the school's track. There they were watching some of the distance runners on the team do a workout at the time, and the runners were apparently running on pace, but Davis looked at them and he said that they looked kind of slow. He literally told his friend, I can beat those guys. So Davis decided to go up to Bill Bowerman, the head coach of the Oregon track team at the time, and he asked him if he could join the track team, and Bowerman simply said, what do you do? Well, Davis, again, only grew up with basketball and football in school, so he never knew what else there could be to track other than running, so he simply said, what do you need? Well, with a plethora of runners already on the Oregon track team, Bowerman said he needed jumpers and put Davis in the high jump. 
So even though Davis was a basketball player and he probably had some good jumping skills, he was pretty lanky and didn't have any type of style or jumping form. Despite that though, he managed to apparently clear about six feet in the high jump and about 23 feet in the long jump. So not too bad for just being picked up off the basketball court in the 1950s and barely even trying at first. Soon after though, he moved down to the sprints and even there, he did struggle at first as well. He said that he had no idea how to even use blocks. Despite those technical setbacks, he was fast and ran with a somewhat unorthodox upright style and in his first event ever, the Pacific Coast Conference Championships, Davis won the 220 yard and 440 yard dashes. By the time 1959 and 1960 came around about a year or two into his track career, Davis was fully committed to the 400 meters and was quickly becoming one of the best in not only the country, but also in the world. Now around this time, Bill Bowerman was working on creating shoes that would eventually become what we know today as Nikes. Now the general story is that the first pair of Nikes were made for Phil Knight. Knight also ran on the Oregon track team with Davis in the late 1950s and would eventually become the founder of Nike along with Bowerman. But according to Davis, he was the, actually the one to get the first pair of Nikes ever. He said, quote, I wore the first pair of Nike shoes. I don't care what all the billionaires say. Bill Bowerman made the first pair of shoes for me. People don't believe me. In fact, I didn't like the way they felt on my feet. There was no support and they were too tight. But I saw Bowerman make them from the waffle iron and they were mine. So think about that. One of the most recognizable brands in the world today, shoes worn by everyone in almost every sport now, were first worn by a black man. Davis literally made history with his first steps in those shoes. But anyway, at the 1960 US Olympic trials, Davis ran the 400 meters and finished in third place, which booked him a ticket to the Olympic Games in Rome, Italy later that year. At that point, Davis was 28 years old. Remember, he had taken some time off after high school, served in the Air Force, went to community college, so he was much older than his teammates and was one of the oldest members on the US Olympic team. He literally said his teammates called him Pops because he was so much older than they were. But despite him being one of the oldest on the team, remember, he was just two years ago a basketball player at the University of Oregon and had never even sprinted in his life, so he wasn't nearly the most experienced by any measure. Davis said, I was still learning how to run with staggered starts and all. I was still learning the strategy involved. I was still learning how to run in lanes. But in a race just before the Olympics, Davis ran his fastest 400 meter ever, so he was in the shape of his life just in time for the biggest race of his life. But entering the Olympics, Davis was far from a medal contender. Again, he finished third in the 400 meters at the Olympic trials, and there were athletes from around the world who were above him. Most notably, Germany's Karl Kaufmann was a top man to beat. He was number one in the world in the 400 meters, undefeated for the year, and the clear favorite for the gold medal by a huge margin. But none of that really mattered to Davis. He cruised through the rounds of the 400 meters, winning all of his races, and even in the quarterfinals, set an Olympic record in the 400, but it was the final where Davis really showed out. He was in lane four and got out to a relatively slow start while Kaufman in lane two and Malcolm Spence of South Africa in lane five were out extremely quickly. But as they came around the final turn, Davis had picked things up and entered the home straight with a slight lead on Kaufman. 
Davis and Kaufman ran stride for stride to the finish line, crossing in a dramatic finish with Kaufman crashing to the track and Davis looking over to the side and screaming in surprise. It took a photo finish and a couple minutes to determine who the winner of the race was, but Davis felt confident he had already had it in the bag. He kind of knew this because while Kaufman was leaning with his head forward about to fall to the track, Davis was breaking the tape with his chest poking out. And if you don't know in track, the torso is what counts when crossing the finish line. And he was right. Davis ultimately came away with the win in a world record of 44.9 seconds. That made him the first person in history to ever run under 45 seconds in the 400 meter dash, a barrier that at the time was seen as absolutely unbreakable. Just two days later, Davis would join his teammates on the 4x4 relay where he would win his second gold medal in another world record of 3 minutes 2.2 seconds. So he entered these games as basically a relatively unknown athlete but left cementing his legacy as one of the greatest athletes in history. And regarding his wins, Davis said, it was surreal. I thought I had a chance to get a medal, but I never thought I would get two gold medals. It was unbelievable. No one believed it. After the 1960 Olympics, Davis remained in Europe for about six more weeks where he competed in a couple meets around the continent. None of those races though were nearly as fast as his world record at the Olympic Games, but over the next year, he competed a bit sporadically, culminating in another win at the 1961 USA Championships this time. But after that, he eventually retired from the sport shortly just after that race, ending his legendary four-year career. He would go on to graduate from the University of Oregon, earning his degree in physical education, and went on to have an illustrious career as a teacher, guidance counselor, coach, mentor, and tons of other titles as well. He was initially the head of physical education instruction at the California Youth Authority, but later went back overseas to serve as the director of recreation at the sports complex for the U.S. military in Germany. More recently, in 1999, so just over 20 years ago, Davis founded the Tri-States Olympic Alumni Association, which is a charity that supports former athletes. Finally, in 2020, the new Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon, which will be hosting the 2021 Olympic Trials and the 2022 World Championships, was revealed for the public to see, which included a huge tower depicting a couple notable athletes who attended the University of Oregon. Davis is one of the five athletes depicted on that tower giving him recognition for being the first Oregon Duck to win an Olympic gold medal. Now reflecting back on his career, growing up with racism and segregation in Alabama, Davis says, psychologically, I'm telling you, I thought I was running away from all that negative stuff. People saying that you weren't as good as they were because they didn't even know you, because you might look different from them, which is totally absurd. And that's what the problems we're having now. I was working against all of that bitterness and the hatred and the second class citizenship. So that's Otis Davis, his legendary career from 1958 to 1961, winning Olympic gold and becoming the first person to break 45 seconds in the 400 meters. So make sure you follow the podcast, check out TF Black History on Instagram, and thanks for tuning in to Track and Field Black History.